Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore, and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise, or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. That's audibletrial.com slash Darrow, and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family, or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. Hello, friends. Today we are speaking with Fabiola Garza. Fabi is a character artist at Disney Design Group in Florida. She is the author of the book, The Story of St. John Paul II, A Boy Who Became Pope. She wrote and illustrated the book together. She's an amazing artist. You can check out her website, catholiccolors.com, for more information. All that stuff's in the show notes. But today we're going to talk to Fabi about her work at Disney, how she got there, really, and all of that goodness. And then I'm also going to talk to her about some Disney princesses. So if you like Disney, this is the episode for you. We're going to go over some of her favorite Disney characters, why or why not she likes them, and actually a Disney movie she doesn't like that almost everybody does. You're going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, here is Miss Fabby. And welcome back. Here we are in season seven of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Thanks for being with us for another awesome season. We have today a pretty neat artist uh, who happens to be Catholic as well, Fabiola Garza. Fabi, thanks for being on with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you bet. Anytime. Okay. So you, we have some mutual friends we should probably mention right off the bat, correct? Yes, we do. I think we can just look at our Facebook mutual friends, and I think we have a bunch. <laughs> we we hang out with a lot of the same people, which is kind of neat. And that's I kind of found out through you through some of them as well. Actually, years ago, I've been following you and your path as and your 
artistic path, I guess, for a long while. And it's you do some pretty neat things. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember the first time I met you was actually near Boston, when I believe Father Michael Harrington was your spiritual director. That was the first time I met you. And at that time, I was pursuing getting a book published that I had written and illustrated. And it was based off of the life of the early life of Pope John Paul II. So it was during that time when I was talking with publishers and seeing if anybody was interested. And eventually, when I sort of redid the pitch and rejudged it and everything, the project was taken up by Pauline Books and Media. And uh, my book came out in March 2013. And it's called The Story of St. John Paul II, A Boy Who Became Pope. And uh, yeah, that was super exciting because I researched it, wrote it, illustrated it. So that was definitely a passion project there. Yeah, and it is beautiful. I love this book. This is a really, really great book. My kids especially like this book. It's kind of the your design and your artwork in it is just something that they are drawn to. We will have a link in the podcast notes for you guys to check out this book. You really should. It's really amazing. And the fact that you actually did all of it, you wrote it, you designed it, you did the whole thing, and which is pretty rare for those situations to come across book publishing. Usually you have the writer, then you have someone illustrate everything else, (laughs) but you kind of did it all. Now you have, you are a Catholic artist. You can follow Fabi too on Instagram at, at Catholic colors. And once again, I'll include all of that in the show notes. Don't worry. But okay. You have a very particular style though. And in so much that you now work for Disney. Yes. Yes. Well, ever since I was little, I wanted to work for Disney and I always knew I wanted to be an artist. So I ended up going to art school at Rhode Island School of Design, which is in Providence, right next to Brown University. And I worked at a video game company. I freelanced for Hasbro designing toys. I freelanced at a few more places before I was eventually able to land a job here. And right now I work for Disney Consumer Products as a character artist, which means that I draw backgrounds, characters that end up going on Disney merchandise, which you see at the Disney parks or at the Disney stores. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very exciting. And it's really fun to be around. I live right near the park, so I get to see families come in and... Um, watch the kids have just a ton of fun. So it's really nice to see the things that I make, make other people happy, which is really cool. Yeah. Now you've all, you said you've always wanted to work for Disney, correct? Yes. Okay. So, so like within Disney, what is like the end game? Like, what do you really want to do for Disney? Oh, that's really funny. I mean, I always, the thing is, when I was little, I thought the only thing you really did for Disney drawing-wise was animation. And that's literally not true because, you know, people still think that, like, if you work for Disney, you're an animator. And that's not necessarily the case. Once I was older and I got to know, you know, how Disney movies were made and things, I got really excited about the possibility of designing characters, making up, you know, the environment of where the characters would live. And then eventually, you know, giving those designs to animators so that, you know, they could bring them to life. So that's what I really want to do. I really want to work on sort of the pre-production of Disney animated movies 
and thinking of what characters would look like, designing the villains, and just thinking up a whole new world. Like that for me would be Endgame, just because I love bringing good stories to life, and that would just be that would just be so cool. Now, do you prefer drawing villains more than heroes or heroines, or do you? Does it matter? Usually, the thing is, you draw what you know. So most of the time, I guess I end up drawing just like heroines and like girls, just because you know you. I have myself as reference, so it's you know what I know how to draw best. But it's really fun to do all kinds. Like I love asking myself the questions of like. What does this character want? Where are they going? What's their weakness? What are they fighting for? And sort of getting to know characters really well and then deciding what they're going to look like based off of who they are, which is, it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah, And and you do an amazing job. We will add, if you go to my website, leadera.com, you'll see this podcast posted and I'll, I'll add just some images of some of Fabi's, just a couple of things that she, that she has done that you can find on her website too. They're just gorgeous. I mean, it's just beautiful. It really does come to life. It just, I mean, it's just really amazing the beauty in that. I mean, when you were young, did you have this talent then or has it just, I mean, obviously I would assume it's developed and you kind of start perfecting things and you're always working on it. Sure. But I mean, were you really amazing at drawing when you were really young? Is this something that maybe your parents saw in you? How did that happen? Well, I always, like, I always loved drawing. And I mean, I think, I mean, I think that was good for my age. I think that was something that I was always told. My dad talked about, always talked about these um, series of angel drawings that I had done on like different pieces of cardboard. And how he, you know, gave them away to some of his friends and he was really mad that he gave away the best one and he wished he had it. So, yeah, no, obviously I think that I've always, that's always, I've known intuitively that that was like kind of the thing I was best at. And I mean, I've taken classes since, I don't know, when was the first time I took like a, a serious art class? Maybe it was second grade, you know, like my mom would take me to art classes and stuff. I always knew, I don't know, it was kind of second nature to me. And I feel like, with a lot of people, it's kind of the same when they know that they really like something. They don't even just, they don't even think about doing it. They just do, you know, Yeah. because they enjoy it. So uh, I think that's what ended up happening with me. It's just something that it was just my zone. So I just, you know, did it without thinking. That's so neat. I mean, I just think that's really important, especially as me. I'm, I'm a new mom. And so just always trying to pay attention to my kids and gifts and talents that God's given them. What are they drawn to? And then trying to just help them. I mean, I think that's just amazing that your mom probably saw something in you, obviously, and decided, hey, let's let's find some actual art classes for you to take and to hone in those skills, which is just really wonderful and a testament, I think, to parents who kind of pay attention to those skills to do that for their kids. So within that, okay, so you, I love everything that you post and you talk about on your Instagram. I love your Instagram account. Once again, thanks. (laughs) Yes, people should definitely follow. So at Catholic Colors on Insta. And so I love how you talk so much about beauty. And as you know, probably since you are on this podcast, we really like beauty here on this podcast. We love the deep, the deep beauty that goes beyond what you see, but that's something true and good that just animates for a good word for you and radiates joy and love within our soul that kind of comes out. How do you as a Catholic work in your artistic field, work for Disney and keep everything balanced within that? Let me think. This is a question that 
always, always comes up whenever I'm talking to fellow artists, especially who work in the sort of the secular world or what we would, you know, you know, we, we divide it up, right? Like we say like, okay, this is, you know, work I do for the church, things I do for like, you know, secular stuff. And I didn't ever divide that up into my mind until I became, you know, I grew up, got into religious circles more and more and more. And I, I didn't realize I was like, oh, people have this this issue about like, where am I supposed to make beautiful art? Is it in the church? Is it out of the church? And so you be, you create kind of a dichotomy and even you're just like, oh my gosh, where does, where, where does God want me to be? Like, is my work more valuable when it's specifically Christian, when it's not? And I think that we have to take our talents and things that we personally do really well. Like, I think my greatest strengths are creating characters and stories and writing. And I listen to where God is putting my inspiration, you know, like, is it, do I feel very strongly about a particular saint? And do I, do I feel like making a story about them? Because I feel like that there's, I feel like I have a particular point of view and a particular point I want to make, or do I feel drawn to without my faith and do make art, for instance, at Disney with these stories that I think bring a lot of wonder and joy to families that even show the, the joy and innocence of Christ in a way and reveal sort of a different, a different door to start thinking about why do it, why as human beings we're drawn to wonder and beauty. And I think it can open up to people this sort of hope that there is something beyond just what there is. Yeah. Um, so in the end, I try not to think about it too much as a like, am I balancing it so much as if I am living close to Christ in prayer and is my work both compatible with my Christian faith? Am I inspired to do it? And do I bring my, the joy I have in Christ to work every day? Because at the end of the day, these are the people that I'm working with are the people that I'm witnessing to. Yeah. So because, you know, like you can witness when you're doing something very mundane, if you're doing it with joy and you're very open about your faith with others. I try not to see it as like us and them, you know, because um, I think that you can start compartmentalizing how you act with uh, your Christian friends and your coworkers, per se. So just kind of try to keep it all in the same world and not try to separate it into like secular versus not more as a like what is good and holy and and where do I spend things that that I think God would rejoice in. Mm, amen. Amen for that. Yeah, we and we we really do should look at that. I think you're right. Sometimes we see gifts and talents within us or maybe within others. And especially if you're Catholic Christian, you're you're thinking, okay, so what do I need to do directly to help Jesus? As if helping Jesus and and promoting the kingdom of God is something that you can only do within the church walls or within a very, very, um, uh, you know, Christian atmosphere. Like that's the only place for it. And we know that that's obviously not the case, but, but, but we often do that, don't we? We often try to think about putting them into different worlds, as you said, Fabi, and, and really need to have more of a more comprehensive and inclusive nature with everything where we all can come together and, and see that it's all meant to be, you know, threaded through all that we do in that authentic life. I like that. I, you know, with the work that you do, 
at Disney and you, 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 like you mentioned, you tend to draw a lot of heroines and, and young women. Are there any Disney princesses that you connect to more than others? Or do you have a favorite Disney princess? That that is really, really funny. And also the best question ever. (laughs) Thank you so much for asking me. I love answering this question. I always thought that I personally most like Rapunzel, not only because she's a painter, um, but she's kind of silly and naive and seems very human to me, idealistic, all that kind of thing. So I don't know. I connect a lot with her just also because, you know, she's she's not quite as refined as other princesses. I I don't know. I mean, I have I gravitate toward different princesses at different times. I draw them a lot. I think the most beautifully designed princess is Aurora from Sleeping Beauty. I like how feisty Jasmine is. And I don't know. They're like a lot of them. I love how Pocahontas like sacrifices part of her heart because she knows that she's called to be with her people. And uh, Mulan, who uh, is not, is not a, you know, technically a princess, but she's, she's a lot, you know, she's part of the Disney princess family. She, you know, she was let in. Yes. <laughs> I love her love for her father. I think that's, that's, I don't know. I think that's beautiful. But yeah, I, I think they all have certain characteristics that are something that I, I'd like to, you know, have. Okay. Well, okay. So let me ask you, let me ask you a question that's not mine. Which one do you not like? Which Disney princess you're like, no, I would never be her friend. Oh gosh. Oh no. Okay. Um, oh goodness. Probably Anna from Frozen. Really? People always expect you to say like, oh, Snow White or oh, those old, those girls who were just like so passive. But I'm like, no, man. Those frozen girls make the worst choices in life. <laughs> the frozen girls. <laughs> no, I think though, especially an unpopular, unpopular thing. Because people are like, Frozen, the first like story about sister love. And I don't know if it's because we were around it so much here at Disney World when like it was that peak of Frozen and all you could hear was like the Frozen soundtrack at the parks over and over and over again. You were like, no, stop. Yeah. I yeah, no, I don't know. It's not because they weren't sweet or anything. It's just I don't really think it's a good idea to leave the kingdom to a prince you just met and go out into the wilderness without a coat. That's just not very smart. Merry Christmas, my friends. Okay, I know. It's a it's a little early to say Merry Christmas, but it's never too early to think about what you're gonna get all of those beautiful people in your life for Christmas. What are you going to get them? It's going to be here before you know it. But this is something that we are doing right now to help you out with that. This episode is sponsored by Catholic Relief Services Ethical Trade, and they have come out with an ethical trade holiday gift guide. You can go to this one spot to get everything on your list for anybody on your list. It is, they're all unique. They're definitely going to be different than what everyone else is going to get them. It's a great, great idea. This is so wonderful. You can put Christmas back into your shopping with ethically produced gifts that really do uplift an entire world of people. And every single partner on this list has been vetted for fair wages, safer working conditions, and environmentally sustainable practices. And what's even better is that with every purchase, a donation goes back to Catholic Relief Services. So twice the impact. 
so fantastic. So make sure you go and check them out, ethicaltrade.crs.org. I will have the link in my podcast notes. Make sure you check them out, ethicaltrade.crs.org. They have something for everybody. Things for the kitchen, for fashion, comfort, like candles and soaps and lotions. Things for the home, things for entertaining, coffee, chocolate, you name it. There's so much stuff. I will say, for the record, you better go check out the Lavender Honeysuckle Body Butter. It is so great. It makes you smell like a queen. I love that. And I also personally love the Alabaster Swirl Candle. I own both of those. Oh, so great. They're just wonderful. They're like the Maya treat yourself gifts that I, I love to give other people and myself once in a while. So go ahead, check it out. It is really a wonderful thing. This holiday season, you can get all of your stuff for all of the people in your life right there by visiting the Ethical Trade Holiday Gift Guide by Catholic Relief Services. Again, that is ethicaltrade.crs.org. I have a lot of issues with frozen myself. Really? I do. I do. Now, listen, I thought it was beautifully created, designed. The music was super catchy, and I thought Olaf was hilarious. You know, it's not like I was, like, throwing it all out. I have an issue with just, in general, a lot of of Disney movies, especially Frozen. Frozen just, like, struck a chord with me. And I'm like, really? Come on. Like, why is it that these girls are left, and they ignore their parents, or their parents are dead? And then they go off and they think that a relationship's going to solve everything. Then they realize it's not, but then the relationship's still kind of there. So it makes you feel like, well, maybe it still was a part of it. A man's got to save them or a man's got to make them start thinking logically. And so it just kind of like constantly bothered me about a lot of the theme in the movies. And I'm like, and then Frozen, they're like, people were praising it like, oh, sisterly love. And you have these two women in it together. And I'm like, they're crazy. Thank you. They're insane. <laughs> the Anna and Elsa need family therapy. They need to sit down. They need to they need to have some serious talking it out and work through some things that have been going on because they they they've got issues, big issues. Oh, yes. Yes. Also like all the technicalities of how they possibly didn't see each other for years is also just like, I don't know, all the loopholes. Let me tell you because if you look in Elsa's room, there's no bathroom. So I'm like, what happened? You had to leave at yeah, some she, point. Was she in there? Did they never say hi? Like, I don't know. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'll suspend disbelief. But uh, at the end of the day, she's still, I don't know. She's still got a boyfriend in the end. So I'm like, what's the point of like, don't marry the first guy you meet. But also here's a boyfriend who will tell you that you're being ridiculous. <laughs> like, and she and she just met him too. It's not like she had this long, it's not like Anna had a long relationship with Kristoff. And like she came back around to him because they've been friends since childhood or something like that. No, she meets two two men on the same day and then just chooses one over the other. So it's basically still forming this lesson of like, look, it's totally okay to go run away with a guy that you met just a few hours ago as long as he has a job or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, it's just, um, yeah, I think I, I had that reaction as well because it was so highly praised as you know this is what princess should really be like where i'm just like no not really i i actually did think for instance how in the like i thought it was really beautiful and poetic even as a kid i didn't feel robbed of like a happy ending when um pocahontas said no to going to you know back to europe with him she 
I thought that was really, I just remember that as a kid, just being really powerful of just like, you know, um, sometimes you say no to good things because you're called to be somewhere else and you learn to say goodbye. Like, I thought that was great. I agree. And I, and I, I think that that line, that thread was similar in Moana. Mm-hmm. where Moana at the end could have done something else, could have gone on another adventure with Maui, but she went back to her island to become chief or, you know, to see her father and all that. So I think that there are some things. And I mean, what did you think about Moana? Did you, are you on the bandwagon of just loving it? Or are you, do you still find? Um, I know. I actually, I love her as a character in terms of like the storytelling and the pacing. I actually thought it was very, very slow and not, very well crafted in terms of just pacing for me personally. Um, I thought the art was beautiful. I thought she was funky and great. And I loved the idea of realizing that, you know, cause we're all looking for like who we are. Right. And that's what she's trying to find out. Like, who am I? And you know, why am I feeling called, you know, to the ocean and all these things. And also finding out that part of who she is, is staying on land with her family. I think was really great. And I also love the way she actually defeats the, oh, what was her name? Taka. Yeah, exactly. By giving her heart back and her remembering who she is, which is so often what we need to ask ourselves in our path, you know, with the Lord, where sometimes when we get in our own way, we ask like, well, who are we really? And we realize like, you know, you're beloved children of God and that is enough. And I see that as well on the Lion King when, you know, Mufasa's up in the sky and tells Simba to remember who he is. So that's, that's actually a, a thread in, in a couple storylines that I really like. Yeah. And I think that that's tends to be maybe a question in a lot of Disney movies is the idea of identity and trying to find yourself in each one of them and how they get there kind of takes a different route for each storyline. But I, I've seen that in them. I really did appreciate, though, in Moana, how it worked out. Like, for instance, one, her parents stay alive. Her parents are present. There's a mom and a dad, and they both are there. They both love her, support her, want her to realize who she is. They see it. She's trying to figure it out. And then her parents don't get killed off. I thought that was fabulous. I also love the fact that she is still wanting to figure this out, that she goes And actually with the permission of her mom, in a sense, her mom packs her some lunch and some food to go. And she, she kind of gives her her blessing on it. And then she goes off. She has this adventure. She's looking for help, trying to put all of it on someone else. As sometimes we often do with whatever we want to do. We try to like look for help from everybody else. And we need to realize that it's already within us, that strength to do it. She does that. She goes back. She defeats Taka, which I thought had a lot of theology of the body actually wrapped into it when she's giving the heart back to her. And then Taka, who's who's all very hardened and angry because her heart was taken from her. Her heart's given back and she becomes soft and she literally becomes the mountain again and, and flourishes and is very fruitful. All of those things kind of remind me a lot of the theology of the body teachings, actually. And then at the end, you know, Moana obviously goes back to her parents and she does not like Maui doesn't upstage her, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Maui had a great role, but he didn't upstage to take away the power away from Moana. And so it wasn't like, well, here, I'm a big, strong man. Let me do it all for you. You just stand back and 
accept it. And so they, they wonderfully worked together, which men and women should. And then, you know, Moana goes back. I, I kind of, I really kind of appreciated that. I think for like, for the first time for me watching Disney movies to see that type of storyline, at least be presented. Oh, absolutely. And I think it helps so much the fact that there's much there's a much larger female presence within the animation industry. So girls get to tell their own stories because to a certain extent men do have a limited knowledge of, you know, the sort of inner struggles of a woman. And girls are, you know, entering these companies and being like, we have stories to tell, you know, and that's why I think we get something so genuine and so you know, true to life and not removed, you know, like old medieval fairy tales, which are very cool to read, but don't necessarily inform us as women right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So what are you passionate about right now, Fabi? Uh, Oh, goodness. So many things. Right now, I am Sort of, I'm writing down a list of everything I want to do for, you know, my personal portfolio. But I've been, for a long time, I've been using a, a Russian fairy tale as a basis for a story I've been developing. And so I'm making up my own characters and all this stuff. And it's really, really fun. And I'm also really excited because I'm, uh, in September, I'm going to be going to the Catholic Creative Summit over in Dallas. So I'm going to be preparing a workshop. Uh, for them. And I'm trying to decide what to do. But I think what I'm going to end up doing if I get permission is I want to design a hero and a villain in the presence of the audience and sort of explain my process of how I do that. And I want to be pretty like silly and funny about it because I do a lot of like, you know, when I'm thinking of a character, I like get up, I try to walk like them. I take pictures of myself in poses just to see if I'm really sort of getting them. So I'm excited about putting that together. It's the first workshop I'll ever be doing. So I'm nervous, but just, you know, excited to be doing that. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I I love how you work through your characters, like what you were just saying, like taking pictures and kind of getting into the physical movements that they might get into when they respond to something or think about something. That's really neat that you do that. Yeah, it's really fun. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, I want to get back into a doing state uh, drawings. I have this idea that I really, really hope, you know, comes to fruition at some point. I want to do a series, like a book that basically is a compilation of royal Catholic saints who were, you know, of some kind of part of a royal family or something, because I really want young girls to enjoy you know, all the princess things, but also see that the best way to be a princess is to serve Christ. So I think just a really fun book full of Catholic princesses would be really great because it would just up the ante of what it means to be a princess. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I love it. I can't wait to see what comes out of your head and out of your fingers as you pull all that together. Okay, Fabi, we have a few last questions for you before we ask for your challenge for our listeners. Okay, a couple of things. Number one, a lot, a lot, well, one of the things that people probably don't know about you or unless they have followed you already, but you all, I mean, you're an artist, so you're kind of an artist all over, but I love your artistic ability in your makeup. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I love it. I am, I love when you share that on Instagram and on social. It's so awesome. I just want to take lessons from you. 
I, as me just being sometimes on the other side of it, being a fashion model in my past, I would always pay attention to the the makeup artists and pay and like what they were doing and how they did it. Cause it was an art. I mean, it was just really amazing to see what they were, how they were making something look that didn't look that way before. Anyway, I really enjoy that piece of you that you share with the world. So when we're talking a little bit about fashion in that same line here, I'd love to know from you, what is your favorite fashion trend right now? Ooh, my favorite fashion trend. Actually, one of my favorite things and a little, I don't know if it's niche or whatever, but I've been, anytime I find something like this, I, I try to pick it up. I um, I love two things. I love sort of illusion necklines and sort of like floral flowers. Um, so anything that looks very whimsical, that sort of tricks the eye into, you know, looks like flowers are falling down your skirt or something like that. I love, love that. I'm actually into sort of quirky vintage dresses with like fun prints. So whether it's, I don't know, I, I think I just saw one on modcloth.com with like math equations or dinosaurs or things like that. Things that, you know, are feminine, but also kind of quirky. I like those things. I do. Yeah. Have you ever thought about starting up your own line of something or other fashion lines? Well, not necessarily like, because it's, it's so, I mean, I've, I've seen how Disney merchandise works, you know, and it's just, it's a ton of work and it's probably not the, the way I want my art to be focused, but I do know that there are a lot of sites where you can upload your own art or patterns and they take care of the production. So that would be really, really cool. But it would probably be just like a, a freelance project or something like that, where I collaborate with somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. All right. So on the flip side of that, what fashion trend can you not stand right now? Oh, goodness. So many. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't. Oh, oh, dear. We could just go on and on and on. I don't like I've never liked and this is sort of coming back. I don't like anything that's like ripped jeans, ripped anything, really. Like, I don't really understand why that's appealing. Yeah, their clothes and they're ripped and sometimes in ways that are like immodest, but also not even attractive. It's just like, it's just not anything. It's just no. Um, and, and this fashion is so beautiful, but I think you've mentioned this before. It's like fashion is about, you know, a clothes. So there should be clothes and a significant amount of clothes that are doing their job, which is to clothe you, right. <laughs> but also about revealing who you are as a person, as a whole. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just see a lot of garments that that seem like they were created with no design or reason or anything. They're just skimpy. So I can't even see the beauty or artistry in them. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 missing the point of what fashion is supposed to be from the very beginning, especially mm-hmm. when you just have a lot less of it on you. Yeah. You're, you're just kind of like, well, you just don't look complete. You actually look less whole as an entity. I agree. I agree. Definitely. Okay. So ripped jeans are no go for you. Anything else? Anything else? I'm trying to think of uh, something else. I don't know. There's always things that I've, I've never particularly liked or never thought were super duper attractive. Um, I, you know, shorts that look like underwear. They look like underwear. <laughs> but that's, that's, I mean, that's, I'm just like, they just look like underwear. They serve no purpose other than 
pretending that they're shorts when they're really underwear. I know. It's kind of like, why would you wear two pairs of underwear? Like, that's just so uncomfortable and unnecessary. Like, can you just please cover your backside? Like, we all have one and I don't want to see yours. I mean, if I really wanted to look at someone's backside, I would just look at my own all day. And I I don't even want to do that. So (laughs) I agree. We just need to cover it all up. All right. Well, okay. So uh, just a few more questions. Promise you we're wrapping up. Okay, if you could be, I love asking this question. If you could be, first off, let me ask you this question. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, you know what? Sad to say, this question gets some people. These are people that I can't be friends with if they haven't seen it. All right, so if you could be any character in the Lord of the Rings series, who would you be and why? Oh, this is hard. Um, You got to just pick one, Fabi. You got to just pick one. I gotta Who would you be? One. Okay, okay. I'm looking. It needs to be somebody with a sense of humor. Um, I, I have a thing. I know who you're, you're going to pick. And they, well, some of them do just have sense of humor. That's the thing. Um, Like, I do love Arwen, but I just, I don't know. I feel like every girl would say that. So I don't want to be like <laughs> No, but I'm trying to think because the, I'm just going to take you through my thought, thought process here. I think. Gimli is somebody everybody needs in their friend group because they alleviate <laughs> all the tension. They're just fun. So right now at this moment, I'm going to go with Gimli because he's rough, but he has a soft heart. And also, I don't know, the, the, the journey of Lord of the Rings is very intense, as it should be, because they're trying to save the world. And I just felt everything was a little alleviated by him. Let's see. Anything? Anybody else? I don't know. I mean, I would go with Arwen because she can handle herself, has a sword, protects those who are, you know, weaker than she is, and values some things more than her immortality, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. She'd rather have a full life than be immortal, which I think is, you know, pretty awesome. She is. That's what I like. She is. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with her at all. But I love that the first person you chose was Gimli. That's fantastic. I thought you might have gone with Peregrine Took or Mary. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, because or Mary. Yes. Uh, because they're just so lighthearted and fun. But I like that you chose Gimli, too. That's nice. And, and he's a really cool axe. I'm just saying, that's a really cool axe. <laughs> it is. I mean, he kind of has like, he's kind of got it all going on. He's the warrior. He's also, although he's a dwarf, very human, I guess, in terms of like his jealousy and competition with, uh, oh my gosh. Um, Legolas? Yeah, thank you. Legolas. I mean, I, I, I love that relationship that they constantly had with each other. And obviously the dwarves and the elves had a lot of tension. If you've seen all the movies, then you'll know why, but there's tension there for a long time ago because they didn't help each other out during times of war. Anyway, I love it. I love why you chose it. I think it's great. I haven't had anybody choose Gimli yet. So you are my first for the first pick of who you, who you would want. So I, I love that. So, okay. Okay. Probably you've been great. Thank you for being with us and chatting with us, especially I loved I love our conversation about the Disney princesses and you kind of going through a little bit more of the background of some of that, that we wouldn't even really realize as just being consumers of those movies. But can you give us a challenge before we end today? Oh, sure. Well, I know that, you know, 
all always really busy and trying to get things done. And I think I would like to challenge you all to take a moment, grab a piece of paper, whatever drawing utensil you can find. It can be a crayon. It can be a marker. It doesn't really matter. Pick an object or something in your home or whatever it is you have around you that you think is beautiful and take five, 10 minutes to just draw it and thank God for its beauty and just breathe and just, you know, take a small moment of wonder in your drawing. It doesn't matter if it's good or not, but I think thanking God and noticing the small, beautiful details of our day is something that actually can, you know, nourish our spirits throughout our very busy days. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank you. You are an inspiration to us all. And I am so excited for people to find out about you. Remember, you can connect with Fabi on Instagram at, at Catholic Colors and on her website, FabiolaGarza.com. All of that will be in the show notes, so don't you worry. It'll be all there for you. Plus, you'll be able to take a peek at her book, The Boy Who Became Pope. That's a part of the title. And that is available. It's published by Pauline Books and Media, and it's available on Amazon too. So don't worry. I'm going to have all those links for you so you can check it out. Highly recommend it. I love, love reading it to my kids. It's really fun. And it's very beautiful. Fabi, thank you for being with us today. Of course. This has been awesome. All right. And remember, whatever you do today, make sure you do something beautiful for God. God love you and God bless. And we'll talk to you later. 